You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us again today for another episode of the Bonfire Podcast. If you are a first-time listener, we want to uh, say thank you, and we want you to encourage you uh, to uh, go back and check out some of our old uh, older podcasts, the previous ones. You'll be able to find those in multiple different places. You can find us on all your major podcast uh, apps. Uh, you'll also find our episodes on our Facebook page, the Bonfire Ministries Facebook page, and you'll also find us on YouTube. So I would encourage you uh, to go back and, and to uh, listen and also subscribe. If you subscribe, you'll get all of our content that comes out weekly. Uh, those episodes drop every Sunday night at 8 p.m. And for those of you that have been listening with us for a while, we really appreciate your uh, your support. And we hope that this is um, uh, beneficial to you and you're getting uh, blessed by the words that you're hearing uh, come from this podcast. You know, Dad, we just finished a series. Mm-hmm. I uh, came out of the Blessed Assurance series. We spent 12 weeks in in 1 John, and, uh, you know, it was a great series, a yeah. uh, great time studying, and, and uh, you know, we've been trying to figure out what's the next step, uh, where are we going to go, and I mm-hmm. really felt like uh, being led that we needed to take a, a couple weeks and do some individual uh, podcast episodes uh, that right. we, like we've done when we first started, and uh, ultimately we are going to get back into probably another mini-series uh, here in the near future. That's right. Um, for our listeners who are listening, I would love to hear from you. If there is something that you would like to hear us cover um, on our podcast, if you've got a question or if you've got a, a book of the Bible that you'd like to hear us go into a deeper dive into, please feel free uh, to let us know. And you can do that multiple ways. You can comment on our Facebook page, send us a message there. Or if you'd like to, you can email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com. We'd love mm-hmm. to hear from you, and uh, we'll, we'll take that in. And maybe you just have a question that you'd like to hear us address on the air. We'd love to do that as well as we uh, take a, a few weeks here off from a mini-series before we jump back into our next one. Well, Dad, uh, for today's episode, um, I'm excited about this. I, I feel like we're getting ready to tackle probably the greatest question of all times. That's right. Um, and it is a question that I feel, uh, just without a shadow of a doubt, that every person who lives on this earth um, has to address this question at some point. Mm-hmm. And that question is, who is Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've done several podcasts, we've talked about Jesus, and many of our listeners are followers of Christ. But I know that there are probably those all around the world that are listening to us that um, are not followers of Christ. They happen mm-hmm. to stumble upon one of our episodes, and they hear uh, what we're talking about and, and want to know more. And so we're going to take a deep dive in today into who is uh, Jesus Christ. That's great. You know, throughout history, uh, the influence uh, that Jesus Christ has had on the lives of people has never been surpassed. That's right. There's never been anyone like him. No other great leader has inspired so many positive changes uh, in the lives of of his followers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even, you know, the the most uh, religious skeptic uh, has to look at the historical influence of Jesus uh, of Nazareth and look at it and see that that's the result of a remarkably uh, influential life. That's probably right. the the arguably the most influential life that's ever lived. As I was preparing for what we we're going to talk about today, I ran across a, a quote here from a historian, uh, Philip uh, Scaff, and I just want to share this with our listeners uh, because it, it just seems to fit what we're going to be talking about so well. Um, it says. Uh, In describing the overwhelming influence which Jesus has had on subsequent history and culture of the world, he describes Jesus of Nazareth as this, um, Without money and arms, uh, Jesus conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Muhammad, 
Napoleon. Without science, he shed more light on the things of human and divine than all the philosophers and all the scholars combined. Without eloquent schools, he spoke such words of life as never been spoken before or since, and produced effects that lie beyond the reach of an orator or a poet. Without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion, and he finished the themes of more sermons and orations and uh, discussions and learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men from ancient and modern times. Mm, That's right. You know, and I I don't know if uh, Philip uh, Scaff is a believer or not, but um, he definitely historically has got the accurate picture here of just how special this person, Jesus Christ, is. That's right. You know, Jesus, because of him, our calendar's different. We're A.D., the year of our Lord. That's right. It's all changed because of one man. One man. Jesus Christ. You know, it, what year is it, Dad? It's, it's 2020, right? That's right. And uh, it's 2020 here in the United States, and we've got listeners in India. It's 2020 there. That's right. We've got listeners in um, uh, Australia. It's 2020 there. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, listeners in the Philippines. It's 2020 mm-hmm. there. Right. I always find it interesting. What is it 2020 years roughly from? Mm-hmm. Jesus's appearance on this earth. That's right. right? We count time by this man. That's that's, that's right. something that's that can't go without notice. Um, is that our entire calendar and the very uh, tracking of time is tied back to one man, and that is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus is someone who truly uh, is a life that has transcended time. You know, Dad, back in 1971, uh, there was a a rock opera uh, that hit Broadway that was entitled Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, through the years, it's been redone multiple times and, and, and uh, reproduced in multiple countries around the world. And while I don't recommend the musical because it is a sacrilegious musical, I do find it interesting that the musical posing the question of who is Jesus Christ has been in circulation for more than 50 years. That's right. You know, all throughout media, uh, whether it's Hollywood or whether it's literature, um, the name of Jesus Christ continues to appear. That's all right. Over the place, whether it's a secular form or in a, in a Christian form, it's there, and it just continues to be there. You know, the the musical ends um, with the voice of Judas Iscariot uh, saying, "Do you get? Don't get me wrong. I only want to know Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who are you?" Followed by the the haunting lyrics of the chorus that says, "Jesus Christ, superstar. Do you think?" You are what they say you are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, again, I, I don't approve of the musical at all, but I find that question there of, uh, do you think you are who you are? That's a question that really I could pose back to all of our listeners is, what do you think of Jesus Christ? That's right. And, who- you know, that movie did not allow people to to see all the story of Jesus because in that play or movie, whatever you want to call it, they left Jesus on the cross. That's true. The resurrection's the big thing. That's right. He came back from the dead. He came back from the dead. If you go to, uh, you're not going to find a grave uh, with Jesus in it. You know, he's not there. He's he's risen uh, from that. And so, you know, it's just this important question of who is Jesus Christ? This question of who is Jesus Christ is, again, as I've I've said, is a lead into what we're going to talk about is the most important question that a person probably can answer uh, right. during their life. And again, I firmly believe that at some point in everyone's life, regardless of whether you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, you're uh, a, a, um, a study Islam, you're a Jewish person, you have to come back to 
and address who is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because there is a historical account that there was a guy named Jesus, and think about what he's done uh, throughout history, and you have to address who he is Mm -hmm. and what he means to you. That's right. Whether that's for the good or the positive. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Dad, when I was thinking about how we were going to address who is Jesus Christ in our podcast today, I kept coming back to John uh, chapter Mm 5. And in John chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters of of the book of John, uh, just a, a an awesome event that takes place there in that chapter. And I want to use that as we try to dive into the the topic uh, of this all important question of who is Jesus Christ. And um, we're going to be in chapter five. If you got your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn to chapter five. We're going to be all over chapter five and uh, really going to be studying, studying the whole chapter and, I'm not going to be uh, reading the scripture uh, verse for verse, but I just figured I'd just kind of tell the story, Mm -hmm. and we'll catch everyone up to speed of what happened in John chapter Mm 5. So in John chapter 5, Jesus uh, was on his way uh, to Jerusalem, and when he came into uh, Jerusalem, there was a gate, um, and at this gate there's a pool, and Mm -hmm. um, at this pool is where there would be all of these uh, lame people, uh, people that had different ailments uh, that were uh, here at this pool. And it was said that, you know, at certain times um, there would be a stirring of the water and whoever was in the pool at that time was healed. And so Mm -hmm. uh, this pool became just a place where all of these people that had ailments kind of hung out waiting for an opportunity for there to be healing Mm -hmm. uh, in their life. And uh, Jesus walked up to uh, a young man uh, who was there and uh, laying there, and he was was crippled. And uh, he asked him, he said, you know, why are you just laying here? Why why don't you uh, get into the pool? And he Mm -hmm. said, well, you know, I've been crippled and lame now for, uh, I think it was over 38 years, if I remember correctly, and um, I have no one to put me into the pool. And so no one can help me, so I just have to lay here. And so Jesus looked at this man and said, well, get up and take your bed. Uh-huh. That's all he said. You know, it was one of the, the interesting uh, miracles Jesus did. He just said, get up and take your bed. And the man was able to stand up. He grabbed his bed, and he was able to walk. And the, the Scripture tells us that Jesus kind of disappeared. He kind of uh, snuck mm-hmm. away because he didn't want right. to cause much of a scene. But he reappeared just a little bit later, and he found the man in the temple. And he looked at the man and he said, well, look, you're healthy. Go and don't sin anymore. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. He told him that he needed to quit sinning and, and to live a holy life. Mm-hmm. Well, there was something else that happened in, in chapter five is there were these rich, uh, sorry, not rich, but the, the Jewish rulers of the time right? Uh, that were there, uh, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, um, and they were always watching to see what's going on. And they saw this man who they knew was a, a lame, cripple man, and he was carrying his bed. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a problem because in that time, the Jewish culture, and even now today, this miracle occurred on the Sabbath, the day of rest. And right. so uh, for anyone to do anything of labor uh, was inappropriate. So when they saw the man carrying his bed, he was carrying a burden. And mm-hmm. that would have been a violation of the Jewish culture there. He That's been, right. That was the oral law that he was going That's against. Right. That's Not right. the written law, but the oral law. Yeah. yeah. And so the, these uh, Pharisees, they go up to the man and they said, you know, why are you carrying your bed? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> just the funny response there is the man said, well, the guy who healed me told me to get up and carry my bed. And so right. uh, obviously he was saying, you know what, if the guy could heal me, I was just going to do what he yeah, says. That's right. And I was going to follow that. Interestingly enough, 
the rulers of that time did not really persecute the the man for his violation of the Sabbath. They turned their attention to the person who healed him. Uh-huh. And that person that healed him again was Jesus. And so uh, the Jews began to persecute Jesus because of he had violated the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And again, Jesus was there. And, and what I love every time we see Jesus is so many times Jesus is able to perceive what people were thinking, right? That's right. Uh, the scripture doesn't say that they verbalized this. It says that he was able to discern or to perceive or to understand uh, what they were thinking. And so um, looking here, catching us up to speed, we're now getting into verse 16. I want to read a, a few lines of scripture here. It says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them. Again, they didn't, he didn't, didn't say that they said anything. He just perceived uh, that they, they had an issue with this. Mm-hmm. And he says something very impactful here. He says, My father has been working until now. Mm-hmm. And I have been working. Mm-hmm. Now, the controversy that comes uh, in here is what Jesus said. You know, Jesus used some language there that really set the the, the Jewish leaders at the time um, really ablaze in anger because mm-hmm. he said, my father. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, typically during this time, the what would be said would be our father mm-hmm. in reference to God. But he said, my father. And so we see a controversy that begins to grow here. So he's done a miracle on the Sabbath. They would say, that's illegal. That's working on the Lord's Day. You can't do that regardless of whether it was a good work or not. But now he's gone a step further and he said, my father. Mm -hmm. I want us to look at verse 18. Here's where that controversy comes in. It says, therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he had not only broke the Sabbath, but he had also said that God was his father, mm-hmm. making him equal with God. And that right there is is, is kind of the hallmark of what we're going to be talking about today is Bye. who is Jesus Christ. Right here we have a major, I think as we were talking before we got started, Ed, you, you called it a major Christological event. Right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Where, where Jesus is proclaiming uh, that he is equal to God. Right. Absolutely. And I want to tell you some things about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. His, his divinity is shown by his own claims. You, you mentioned that yourself. You know, he is claiming to be God by saying, my father. In other words, he is my father in a unique way. But uh, he claimed also to exist before the heavenly father, with the heavenly father before the foundation of the world. Over in his great prayer in John 17, he spoke of the glory he had with the father before the world began. And in John 1, 1, we go back in the ages before the world was made, and we hear him say that in the beginning was the word, John writes, and the word meaning Jesus, the logos, was with God. That means he had a quality with God, and the word was God. Make no mistake about it, Jesus is God, and he wasn't afraid to claim to be God. Get back to what you were talking about in John chapter 5. Yeah, so in John chapter 5, here's the the next amazing thing that happened, is that Jesus didn't refute their thoughts, right? He, he didn't go back and say, no, 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 you, you misunderstood me. No, he, he let it stand. And right. the fact that he let it stand is a major thing, because he was like, yeah, that's right, I am God. He not only let it stand, but he doubled down. And we see that uh, coming uh, in here in verse uh, 19. It says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. And so mm-hmm. right there, uh, we begin to see Jesus doubling down and saying, you know what? God is the Father. He's my Father, but I do exactly what the Father does. The Father does what I do. He was putting himself on an equal playing field with the one true God, and the the Jewish leaders of the time did not like it. And if you think about it, it talks about this is really the pivotal point where the, the Jewish leaders already had reasons not to like Jesus. Right. Uh, but this is the the turning point where they really wanted to get rid of him. Oh, yeah. Right. Because at this point, he had crossed from just being a troublemaker into what they viewed as a blasphemist. Right. Right. And saying that he was equal to God. And when we think about Jesus, when he went in front of uh, Pilate, they accused him of three things, that he was a friend of sinners and that he equated himself uh, to God, and that he, he worked on the Sabbath. He did miracles on the Sabbath. That was the three things that they held against him. Right. But it was really that equate to God that mm-hmm. really got into them because they were Jewish. They 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 loved God. They they felt a close connection to God, and they felt it was just beyond uh, you know what could happen is to have this man stand before him and say that he was equal to God. Well, you had uh, talked to me earlier about the perception that the Jewish leaders had they might could have accepted him to be the Messiah if he was going to be a warlike uh, leader to run out the Romans, you know. But their problem was that Jesus made a claim to be God in the things that he said. And so obviously uh, they had an issue with the Messiah being God. But we find out in the Scripture, the one that was predicted to be the Messiah over in the Old Testament, we're told that this one that is going to come, this one that's going to be born, the prophecy that was given to Isaiah, that a child would be born and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. He's absolute God. God, they didn't understand their own Bible. They didn't understand the Old Testament, what the Bible said about the Messiah. That's exactly right. And, and it's a great point. Um, and yeah, we were talking about that earlier is, is they were completely fine with him being the Messiah because, again, they thought the Messiah was going to be this military guy. And so when they saw Jesus had the ability to do all these uh, miracles, right, he was able to feed 5,000 from a couple loaves and a, a few fish, right? Um, they're like, well, hey, he can feed an army, you know, like uh, he he is going to be able to do these things. But it was when he put himself equal to God is when they really began to say, all right, he's got to go. And you're right. They completely missed um, all of the signs throughout uh, the Old Testament scriptures. And and for our Jewish listeners, I I, I encourage you to go back and and read the law and read those Old Testaments and read read the words of Moses and read uh, through this. And you will see, if you allow yourself to be open-minded, that this entire Old Testament is pointing to the fact that Jesus is going to come to the scene at some point in the future. And then obviously in the New Testament, we see Jesus here and living his life. And then the back end of the New Testament is, hey, one day he's coming back. Right. So as we're talking about John chapter five and this uh, kind of just claim, uh, a blockbuster claim that Jesus is making is that he is equal to God. It, it, this there, There's two implications that we see that um, Jesus goes into because he goes in basically to um, a sermon or, or basically a dissertation to say, yeah, I'm, I'm equal to God. I'm the son of God. I'm God in human flesh. Right. And then talks about what he um, has the capability of doing. And, mm-hmm. and there's two major implications that I saw here that I want our listeners to really understand. And the the first comes in verses 22 and, and verses 23. So I want to look at these verses really quick. It says, For the Father judges no one, 
uh, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And so the first implication that I see from Jesus being equal to God is that he is judge. It says mm-hmm. right here that the Father has actually given Jesus the ability to be the judge and has put him as the judge. Now, you know, we know that that God, uh, God the Father, also has a role in judging. Um, and so it's it's kind of interesting words here. And what it meant to me, and, and that I'd be interested to know if you see it the same way, mm-hmm. is that God says, you know what, God is, uh, Jesus is what I'm putting out. Jesus is 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 the front of the Trinity. He's the, the person that represents um, the, the front line, if you will, of the Trinity to the world. And so it's our... Uh, interpretation of who he is. It's our appreciation for who he is. It is our interaction with who Jesus is, is what causes us to be judged uh, to whether we love the Father or not. If if right. we love the Son, then we love the Father. You know, there's many of those that are going to be listening today uh, to the podcast and they're going to say, well, you know, I worship God. I believe in God. But what this is clearly saying here in the Bible is that if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know God. Absolutely. If you don't love Jesus, then you don't love God. If you don't yeah. respect uh, Jesus for who he is, uh-huh. the Son of God, God in human flesh, and understand what he did, then you don't know God. That's exactly right. You know, getting back to you talking about Jesus being the judge of the world, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, every person that believes in Jesus will one day stand before him and have their works reviewed at the Bema. That's the judgment seat of Christ. And those that are lost that don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God and have rejected him as their Savior, as their only means to go to heaven, why they're going to stand before the great white throne judgment, and the Lord Jesus is going to be the one sitting on that throne to judge them too. He has been given the judgment of all people. He's been given that to judge all people that right. That's right. And so first implication is that Jesus is judge. He has the ability and the power given to him to judge. And so with him having that capability and that power, we must understand that and we must appreciate that for what it is. And that has to change our perception of who Jesus is. The second thing that I see as an implication that is outlined here is that Jesus has authority over death. And um, if you read through all the verses of, of John chapter 5, you'll see that there are multiple uh, resurrections that are referenced here. But I want us to focus in on verse 24, and it says, most assuredly. And, of course, when Jesus used the term most assuredly or, or, or verily, verily, or, or surely, surely, mm-hmm. uh, that's like, hey, pay attention to this. That's, that's him right. saying, hey, this is very important. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears the word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but be passed from from death to life. Mm-hmm. And so that's an amazing verse right there. Um, we just said that uh, that Jesus has the ability to be judged, mm-hmm. but he's saying if you place your faith and your belief and your trust in who he is and what he did for you, that you are actually given a pass in judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says that you will be uh, past that judgment and move directly from a death into life, that he has power to give everlasting life. And that's that's, right. that's the whole gospel story right there. That's right. He will not judge the believer 
for sin, but he will judge us at the judgment seat according to the works we've done. But that won't keep us out of heaven, Mm -hmm. but that will affect our reward in heaven. But the main thing is you do not want to be standing in front of the great white throne judgment when you're judged by the Lord Jesus, because those that stand before him, Jesus will say uh, to them, depart from from me, for I never knew you. That's right. And, you know, Dad, you you mentioned that, yeah, we're not going to be judged for our sins. But why is it that we're not going to be judged for our sins? Because the judgment for our sins was at Calvary, right? That's exactly right. And it was at the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross where he took the sin weight of the entire world on his shoulders and he paid the penalty for sin that you and I and anyone who puts their faith and trust in him may be free. Yeah. And that's what this verse is saying is that he's got the power because of what he was going to do on Calvary. Remember, this is before that happened. Mm. But Jesus knew why he was here. He knew the purpose and the plan that was laid before him and why the Father had sent him. And that was to take on that sin debt for the entire world world so that he could provide everlasting life and move us past judgment. You know, it's, it's uh, amazing that here we've got these Jewish leaders, they are judging Jesus, but ultimately he is the judge that's going to judge them. <laughs> that's that's very true. You know, and, and the last things in, in John chapter 5, before we begin to talk a little bit more about who Jesus is and this question of who is Jesus In the verses uh, 30 through 47, and we won't go through all of these, uh, Jesus kind of makes a a legal argument here. So he knows he's dealing with the the rulers of the Jewish uh, day. And so in Jewish times, uh, having witnesses to back up what you were saying is very important. So Mm -hmm. he said that I am equal to God. And he said, these are the things that I can do because of my equality with God, that I'm God in human flesh. And then he said, here's some things that back it up. And he gave three witnesses that I want to make sure everyone is able to catch. He says the first witness is John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And if we recall from the scriptures that John was the the one who came leading the way for Jesus. He was that right. long voice crying out in the wilderness saying, prepare you the way of the Lord. Right. Um, he was the the predecessor uh, that came uh, to say, make, make way because Jesus is coming on the scene and was there at the very early parts of Jesus's ministry. That's right. That was the first witness. Um, The Jewish leaders, they knew who John the Baptist was. They had looked into his ministry because he was gaining a lot of popularity and a lot of, um, I guess, crowds were beginning to to kind of form around uh, John the Baptist, but they had no problem just letting him, uh, you know, be be killed. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't come in and try to stop that at all. Mm -hmm. The second witness that Jesus says that is there is his miracles. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking in John and, and John, you know, picks up, I think it's a total of seven miracles that John writes about in the Gospel of John that really define who Jesus is and speak to the deity of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, and every time Jesus did a miracle, it was not just the miracle that was, that was important. It was that miracle and usually what happened after it, because he used it to be uh, a lesson to point back to who he is, why he was here. And uh, so that hopefully people would see these signs that he was the true Messiah. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Again, as we said, the the people of his time and even people today uh, have missed the fact that he is the the true Messiah. He is God in flesh, the one true God. That's right. And then the last thing that he quoted there, and this was the one that probably made the the Jewish rulers of that time uh, so angry, um, was that he said the words of the Father. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so basically he went back and he said, you know what, the same scriptures, the same uh, text that you hold so dear, that law that you 
read mm-hmm. the words that came from Moses. Um, I'm in that. Uh, I, I It references me. It points to me. Um, everything in there points to the fact that I'm going to come to the stage, mm-hmm. and that is a witness of who I am, and I am fulfilling those prophecies, mm-hmm. and yet they still didn't see. That's and right. And they still don't see today. There's so many people around the world, and even who are going to be listening to this episode, whether they're Jewish, whether they're uh, uh, studying Islam or whatever uh, religion it may be, they may know that Jesus was a man. They may think that he was a good man or that he was a prophet, mm-hmm. um, but they're missing out on the fact that Jesus is God in flesh. He is the son of the one true and only God. And uh, I just don't want anyone to miss that as we're going through this episode today. That's right. Well, you know, besides the Father and His works and John the Baptist, uh, the Scripture itself, in verse 39, uh, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. In other words, if they were really open to God working in their life and they were searching diligently to find out about the Messiah, they should have known that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy about the Messiah. But he said in verse 40 to them, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And there are people out there today, you know, I really believe there are many that know the truth about Jesus, but they're not willing to come to him to have life because they think, well, uh, to to follow Jesus, I'm going to have to give up certain things that I don't want to give up. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, you've got to take up your cross daily, Jesus said, and follow me. The cross is a symbol of death. You've got to die to sin and self and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of gratitude for what he did for you on the cross, why would you not want to surrender your life to such a one and live for him, especially in the fact that you're living for eternity, not just the earthly gains down here that's all going to perish? I want to tell you some more things. Uh, uh, Matt, we were talking about other ways that we can know that Jesus is divine as you know, the, the Bible is the primary record we have that that Jesus is divine. And it's all through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that Jesus is divine. And so if you don't believe that he is divine, then you're really denying the truthfulness of God's word. Now, there are five attributes given in the Bible pertaining to God. God is omnipotent. He is omniscient, omnipresent, eternal, immutable. In each thing is held to be true. Each thing that is held to be true of God is also true of Christ. First of all, God is omnipotent. This means he's all-powerful. In what ways is Jesus all-powerful? The Bible gives us plenty of ways. He is attributed to have the power to forgive sin. Over in Matthew 9, verses 1 through 8, the Bible tells the story of Jesus healing a paralytic man. When Jesus saw the paralytic man, the first thing that Jesus said to him was, "'Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you.'" And when Jesus said this, the scribes thought to themselves, this man blasphemes because they knew that only God had the power to forgive sins. Well, Jesus, once again, knowing what they were thinking, said to the scribes, for which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of God has power on earth to forgive sin. Then he said to the paralytic, 
Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Sort of similar to what you were telling about in John chapter 5. Well, in addition to having the power to forgive sins, Jesus is attributed to having the power over nature. You know, over in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, we read that Jesus and his disciples got into a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. And as they sailed, Jesus was fast asleep when a storm came up, causing the boat to almost capsize. The disciples, fearing that their lives were at stake, they woke Jesus up and said, Master, we're perishing. And in verse 24 of chapter 8 of Luke, uh, Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. The disciples were afraid and said, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Yet Jesus has got the power to forgive sin, power over nature, and power over his own life. Over in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself, and I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. So Jesus has power over life and death. He is presented in the Bible as having the power to heal physically, as witnessed by his many miracles. He even had the power to cast out demons. You remember he was uh, crossing the, the Sea of Galilee. When he got to the other side, he, he came to a cemetery. And there was a wild man. This was the country of the Gadarenes. And he was filled with demons. And Jesus cast those demons out of that poor old wretched man. The demons went into the swine feeding on the hillside. They went mad, ran down the hill and drowned themselves. I mean, even the demons respect him. Jesus has power. And one day he's going to use his power to transform the mortal bodies of believers into glorious bodies like his own. Uh, Paul said of Jesus in Philippians 3.21, he said, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And of course, one of the greatest miracles on earth that Jesus did was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Besides being omnipotent, a second attribute of God is that of omniscience, which means all-knowing. The Bible also attributes Jesus as being all-knowing. You remember when he 12 years old, his parents, uh, they were all down there in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. Yep. And so they got busy talking, fellowshipping with friends as they were making their way back home, thinking Jesus was playing with other little boys his age. But in the evening, the parents started counting heads, and and, and Joseph Mary was saying, where's Jesus? Hmm. They had to backtrack. They found him, he said, in my father's house. He was there yep. uh, talking, and he was astonishing the scribes and the spiritual leaders there with his knowledge. You know, Peter said to Jesus in John 21, 17, Lord, you know all things. Jesus even knew who would not believe in him and who would betray him. John 6, 64, Jesus told his disciples, but there are some of you who do not believe. And then the verse goes on to say that Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. You know about the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman that Jesus talked to at the well, you know, she's a woman. She had had five husbands, was living with someone that yep. was not even her husband at the time. And Jesus told her all about herself. 
He didn't have someone like these false teachers uh, that's feeding him information with a wire attached to his ear. He knew everything because he was God. And so she was so amazed. And she went and told her friends, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Hey, Jesus knows if you're listening out here today, he knows everything you have ever did. You can't hide it from him. You cannot hide it from him. He's omnipotent, omniscient. He's omnipresent, which means that he is at all places at the same time. God is that way, and so is Jesus. In Matthew 18, 20, uh, he said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Hey, you and I, we're two. He's right here at the table That's right. with us. And uh, just before he ascended back to heaven, Jesus assured his disciples of his abiding presence. He said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. As an illustration of his omnipresence, Jesus said to Nathaniel when, when he saw him coming, when Philip went and got him to bring him to Jesus to be a disciple, he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. And uh, Nathanael said to him, Well, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. God sees you, uh, those of you that are out in the podcast audience. He sees you where you are today. Nathanael knew this was a miracle because Jesus was nowhere around when Philip approached him. So he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God and the King of Israel. Another attribute of God that Jesus shared is Jesus is eternal. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God. John starts off his gospel in John 1-1 saying, in the beginning was the word. That word word is logos in the Greek referencing to Jesus. When God called Moses to go to Egypt and deliver the Hebrew slaves, Moses asked God in Exodus 3.13, When I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as I am. And over in John 8.58, Jesus said to the Jews, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I I am. am. Yeah, the Jews that heard Jesus say this understood Jesus to mean that he was claiming to be God when he used the name I am. And they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus went out the temple. Well, the final attribute of God that's also attributed to Jesus is that of his immutability. That is to say, God never changes. Hebrews 13.8 affirms that Christ is the same today and today and forever. Jesus possesses every characteristic of God. Therefore, Jesus is God. Now, the revelation found in the scripture is clear. Colossians 2.9 backs it up that says that in him, in Christ, Paul says, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. I'm here to tell you, folks out there in the podcast audience, Jesus is not mere man. He's not just a great teacher like Buddha or some of these other great teachers that are followed by various religious systems. He is God. He claimed to be God. And you either believe that he is who he said he is or you don't. He is either Lord to you or he is the biggest liar and lunatic that's ever lived to claim that he is God. And it is your choice to make. He is either Lord, liar, 
or lunatic. And I'll tell you what, I know that he's God because I know him personally. Matt and I, we both, we know him personally. We have a personal relationship with him. He lives in us. And, and we know that he's in there. He has given us peace that surpasses all understanding. And there are people that are out there in the podcast audience today. They're looking for real meaning in life. And real meaning in life is found in, real, in a relationship to that divine man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who can be everywhere at the same time and who can live in your heart and change you and create and make into you a brand new person. That's exactly right. Yeah, just a a great uh, just a wrap up there of who God is and who Jesus is. And and if there is one statement that I would say everyone needs to take away from the podcast today is that Jesus is equal to God. That's right. And there is only one God. That's right. You know, there's other religions that will teach you that there are multiple gods or that there's multiple paths uh, to get to God. But we are here today to proclaim that there is only one God. There is only one true God, and that is the God of the Bible. And his son, Jesus, was God on earth, came in flesh to live among us, uh, to be God with us, as, as we've already said, and to pay the penalty for our sins so that we may be able to have a way uh, to get back to the Father. And so... Uh, you know, Jesus Christ, superstar, uh, do you think you are what they say you are? If Jesus was here today, he'd say, oh, yeah, I'm all that and more. That's exactly but right. But what's really important is what do you say Jesus is? Who is he? Who is he to you? Do you believe uh, that he is the Son of God, the one true God uh, in human form? That is a question that everyone has to answer. Everyone at some point in their life has to address it, whether you're, again, an atheist, an agnostic, if you're some other world religion, doesn't matter what it is. There is a man that's been on this earth named Jesus Christ that has transcended throughout all of time. You have to come to realization of who he is and, and, and respond to him one way or the other. He's either going to be, as you said, Dad, Lord, he's going to be a liar, or he's going to be a lunatic. you got to pick a path that you're going to believe. Um, who is God? You know, if you ask me who God is, God is the divine Son of God, the Messiah, the crucified and risen Savior of the world, the Lord of the universe, and the judge of all human beings. That's right. That's who God is. You know, if you're listening to our podcast today and you uh, feel that— uh, what we're saying is resonating with you, that you you want to know more about Jesus. You want to know more about what it means to be a Christian. You want, you feel like you need to, to um, accept uh, who Jesus is in your life, and that may be different from what you've been taught all of your life in the culture that you're in, the religion that you study, um, whether it's abroad across the world or whether it's uh, here in the United States. We encourage you to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, um, and just is so simple. It's so, so simple. I, I, people will try to make it harder than it is. That's right. um, all it requires is that you place your faith in Him and that He is the Lord of your life. You confess that you've done bad things that we call sin, mm -hmm. and that sin has kept you from, from Him and from God, and that you ask for forgiveness for it, and you turn away from it and say, I'm not going to do those things anymore. And when you do that, you're going to get that eternal life that we talked about. You're going to pass from death to life, and you're going to be put on the other side of judgment, and That's you're not right. going to be judged for those sins. All those wrong things you've did in your life, those won't be held against you, right. because that was all taken care of 2,020 years ago, roughly, That's on right. a hill called Calvary, uh, on a cross there where Jesus gave his life for us. And so I'd encourage you uh, just to um, 
accept him today if you haven't done so. Uh, there's a simple prayer that you can pray to do that. Um, and Dad, I was wondering if you would, uh, as you pray us out of here, would you do the sinner's prayer uh, that will allow a person to, to say these words uh, in order to confess their sins and to become right with God? Would yeah. you do that for us? Yeah, just before I pray, something that came to my mind. There are many people in the world that believe that if they don't get life right the first time, then when they die, they can come back in another life form and have another opportunity to to get closer to God and to, to move towards perfection. And I tell you what, I'm glad that I, I, I don't believe that. I believe that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He forgives you of all your sins. And when I die, I go to heaven. Thank God I don't have to come back and relive this life over again. Mm. Would you like to live 2020 again? No. No, no. I'm glad that I don't have to come back and relive this life again, that when I draw my last breath as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he takes me directly to heaven and I get to be with him forever. Oh, so let's, good. let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, O Lord, for giving Matt and I the opportunity to, to share on this podcast our feelings about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We know that he was more than just a mere man and a great teacher. There are plenty of people that revere Jesus and are respectful of him, but that's all they believe he is. He's much more than that, and he claimed to be more than that, and he demonstrated who he is by coming back from the dead never to die again, by paving the way for those that put their faith in him to go to heaven. And Lord, I pray today that that there are those that have been in their mind uh, debating the truthfulness of Christianity. Show them, Lord, today by the power of your Spirit who you are. May they accept you. May they accept your Son, Jesus, as the divine Son of God, the Savior of the world. May they ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins today and to come through his Spirit, since he can be everywhere at the same time, and live inside of them and change them, make a new person out of them, and take them to heaven when they die. May they serve him forevermore. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.